Welcome to the Start Me Up podcast, part of the Sexy Liberal Podcast Network. I'm Kimberly, fully vaccinated Johnson in D.C. Today, my returning guest is Jody Hamilton. She and I will be taking questions from listeners about Hollywood and Hollywood, like L.A. life. I used to be an actor. And for those of you who don't know, Jody's mom is Carol Burnett. So she's got all the stories. So anyway, we're going to get into that. I think we're going to get into some politics. But before we do. The Start Me Up podcast is an independent podcast supported by listeners, and it's woman-run. It's patrons who keep the show going, so I am so grateful for each and every one of you. If you enjoy today's show, visit patreon.com slash startmeup. You'll see that I offer a bunch of different tiers, including one that has a much shorter intro and is completely ad-free. I do two free shows a week, Mondays and Wednesdays, and they're followed up by What's Up, a show only by me. Whatever I feel like talking about that particular day, it's kind of like a stream of consciousness. Again, just go to patreon.com slash startmeup. Take a look at the different options. You can always upgrade later. You can also find Start Me Up on iTunes, Stitcher, and wherever podcasts are found. Just stop by the iTunes slash Apple podcast store, become a subscriber because it's free. And while you're there, please rate the show and leave a review. Now, please enjoy my conversation with Jody Hamilton. Welcome back to the show, Jody. <laughs> Thank you, Kimberly. <laughs> oh, you know, and you were requested so um, oh everybody, you know, I have to say in the, I think I told you this before, but in, I think it was in the iTunes or Apple, you know, reviews or whatnot, people mention you often. They're like, I love Jody. And then there uh. was, there was one, and I think I, I think I copied it. So let me see if I can find it. But there was one person who was just so excited that you were coming. She's like, I don't care what you talk about. And um, here it is. Oh, wait, no, 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 no. Okay. So it's Bertha. And I did a patrons only post asking for questions about Hollywood. And so Bertha says, for the delightful Jody, uh, <laughs> she goes, You're so- oh, wait, is this it? No, that's the wrong one. I- I'm going to get to it later then. I can't find it. But basically, somebody said, like, I don't care. I don't care. I just want to listen to you and Jody. <laughs> I don't Aww, care what you talk that's about. So sweet. <laughs> I know. Um, so, uh, okay, this is what we're going to do. I've got the questions from listeners about Hollywood experiences. Um, I'm sure we could talk about this for fucking ever. And, and I'm going to say this again, just in case you don't know, Carol Burnett is Jody's mother. So Jody's got all the fucking stories. I've got some. I was on Days of Our Lives and I've, you know, I was an actor for 10 years and I lived in Hollywood. And a lot of my experiences with famous people were just like, oh, I saw George Clooney at, you know, this nightclub. And he, you know, and he looked at me and that was my story. So it's not really a story. (laughs) It's just like, so what? I saw a fucking famous person in Los Angeles. It's all the time you see it. But there are certain, some people ask some really good questions. And I am going to spill some tea about someone that I know is loved and it's not the best information. But we'll get to that in a minute. And then then we're going to go into some of the political stuff because there's so much going on. So hopefully we will have enough time to get to those political things. But let's just start off. Okay, so Jerry says, okay, this was the first one's for me. But he goes, uh, one for Kimberly. Aside from soap operas, was there any other genre that you would have liked to act in? Oh, my God. Who who chooses yes. soup, op- soup operas? Who chooses soap operas? Like almost, well, I guess I, I don't want to be mean, but it's like when you're an actor, you want to get the like really gritty, hard, you know, role or like funny characters so I would have loved to be along the lines of Kristen Johnston except that she is funnier than I am and I mean I think (laughs) I I think I'm funny 
but that woman is so fucking superb she is. at just going for it. And I'll, and I'll just say mm-hmm. this. When I was in my acting studio, my acting coach <laughs> um, told us we had to work in, what was it called? Um, I'll think of it in a minute. But basically, we had to be shocking. And one of the things, there was a word that he used, but it was you had to shock everybody. And so the goal was that you would come in with an already planned out thing that you were going to do. And you had to convince people or shock people enough to where they like voted, okay, yes, you're shocking. If you weren't shocking, Mm -hmm. you had to keep going. So Mm -hmm. keep this in mind when I tell you the very crude and awful thing that I did. And actually someone was way more crude than me, but um, (laughs) I wore white okay so it was it's it was an exercise that we did and you you know I was alone and I I was like pretending to be like alone in my house and I think that I was working on a scene that was what I was presenting to my class so I wore (laughs) these white stretch pants and a white t-shirt and then I had like a robe over me and so what I did was I was pretending that I was talking to my grandmother who didn't really have a lot of faith in me becoming an actor she wasn't very mm-hmm. supportive of it and so I imagined that I was I sat there smoking just being a rebel and a bitch like smoking and, and going you know I know you don't really think that uh I'm I'm gonna make it or whatever I said and I said but let me show you what I can do so I put on this song by this punk rock band called crass and it's a crass song and then I rip off my robe and you can see that I put all this fake blood around my crotch and on my on my nipples. And I just started <laughs> p- performing the song in like the most crude way possible. And my acting coach was laughing so hard. And it was so funny because when he would laugh, he would do this thing where he would put the back of his hands on his eyes. I can't describe it, but he would do this thing. And you knew that if the back of his hands went on his eyes, that you were fucking funny. And so I'm just saying that, you know, I would have loved to work in comedy. I think that would have really been fun. And I think that I could have maybe come close, maybe not all the way, but come close to Kristen Johnston just because I, if I had enough practice and enough experience doing it. So anyway, okay. All I know is that soap opera acting is some of the toughest acting to sell because there's so much exposition Yes, because you got to remind people what's going on. And especially if it's a new storyline and you're saying this person and that person without naming people because the writers don't want you to know who it is. It's like the worst writing. (laughs) It is. It's bad. (laughs) And and to have people like a Susan Lucci um, who work it like it's or Erica Slezak, you know, these women and, and obviously plenty of men as well that just can it it's as if they're talking naturally that's an amazing skill yeah and there was this one actor on all my children years ago she came on she was uh, friends with jesse and and angie hi old school my children girl um and she actually had an affair with jesse i believe was her character and she came on the show and she wasn't very good Mm mm-hmm because it's hard. It I mean, is. if you can sell that, that's you're, you're great. It's like selling industrials. It's really hard to do. <laughs> right. And because you really, it's, it's it's explanatory and it's not interesting. And it's just, you got to get the mm-hmm. information out. And it's anybody that can act well as a soap opera actor or in, in an industrial that's like a training video. Trust mm-hmm. me, produce plenty of those. <laughs> they are amazing actors as yeah. far as I'm concerned. And, and I totally and, agree with you. Yeah. 
And so this this one actress, she came on, she was just awful. I mean, just <laughs> awful. But she she they like let her go take acting classes or something because it's basically it's on the air acting class. Yes, because it is it's hard. And especially if you're in a big storyline, you're working 16 hours a day. Mm-hmm. You got to get one show shot in a whole day. It's, mm-hmm. it's hard work. Mm-hmm. And so she and eventually she became a very good actor. And, wow, that's interesting. And you know what? The, I think the same could be said. I, I mean, I certainly didn't have that experience on Days of Our Lives because I usually got it was called an under five. So it was five lines right. or less. And then occasionally I got more than five lines, but most of the time I was what was considered an under five. So I certainly didn't have that experience, but you know, I mean the, the, f- the second show that I was on the first show, I played a model and I was hired mm-hmm. with two of my classmates. And that was great because I got to be on the set with two people that I was studying with. And I felt well, I had studied with, cause we, stu- well, we mm-hmm. were kind of still studying, but anyway, I was familiar with them. Plus on top of it, I had been watching Days of Our Lives since I was nine, so I right. felt like I knew everybody. And right. it was really comfortable, and I looked comfortable. The second time I was on, they also they hired me as a model, and I was alone, and I looked right at the camera. <laughs> and it was terrible, <laughs> and they kept it. So, uh, but it, so, it. <laughs> it was like, it was awful. But they, fortunately, they hire you back. But yeah, soap opera, soap opera, I can't even talk today. I think it's because I've got, I'm going to talk about this in my patrons uh, only show, but I have neck pain and a headache. So that's why. But anyway, it's, it's, um, it is grueling and it's tough, but mm-hmm. it's not the genre that most actors no. would choose if they had their choice. So no. that's not to put I mean, it you, down. But, but most actors, hey, it's a great gig if you can get it. Exactly. You know, it's work is work. So, And then it's also oftentimes just a stepping stone. You know, May, what, Meg Ryan was on a soap opera. Josh Dumel. Yeah, lots of um, people. So many people. Demi Moore. I mean, right. we can name uh, Marsha Mason. I mean, we can go back very far. Yeah, so And name definitely. people that got their starts on. Josh Dumel got his start on All My Children. He was fantastic on that show. Yeah. Yeah, and there are some really good actors. And I mean, I was addicted to Days of Our Lives through my 30s. So mm-hmm. I stopped watching it eventually. But, um, and every once in no, a while, I, I, I didn't watched. stop watching All My Children until it got canceled. Oh, wow. <laughs> but I mean, they're totally addicting. But, like, from mm-hmm. an actor's perspective, you know, I, it blew my mind to find out when Kristen Johnson was on this show, she was talking about being on a sitcom and that it's like the most relaxed schedule. Maybe you show oh, yeah. up at 11 on Monday morning and then, you know, you have six or seven hours of rehearsal, I guess, maybe a little more, but it's like easy. And then Friday's the big heavy day because that's rehearsal and then the show. So well, see, that's see, see, haha. See, okay. <laughs> <laughs> see, this is where you know all the shit. <laughs> okay. So my mom was cast to be in a sitcom that was actually very funny and it didn't get picked up, unfortunately. It was called Household Name where she played this aging movie star who basically, it's kind of like how the Playboy Mansion was sold, but he had to live there until he died. Mm -hmm. So the character that she played, basically her house was for sale. She's in her 90s. But if you buy the house, because it's very cheap, Mm -hmm. she's living with you until she dies. (laughs) Right? And so it's this lovely family comes in. It's a married couple with two kids. And the the movie star bonds with the young child, the young daughter. Mm -hmm. And then she's got her manservant. And so it was a very funny concept. Mm -hmm. Now, (laughs) they literally taped the entire show. It was in the can done without an audience mm, wow they still they still wanted to shoot for four hours that night and my mom's like why yeah 
why we're letting an audience in let's shoot it live mm-hmm. and they're like what and and i was like yeah that's that's how you that's how you it. do it yeah if you know your lines and you've already got it in the can so you can right. always take a take that you've already shot for hours mm-hmm. and because my mom's show when they did it, it was an hour-long variety show mm-hmm. which was set changes costume changes musical numbers I mean, it was 50 costume changes Jeez. per episode, you know, because they had, what, 12 dancers um, and then the core cast plus any guest stars. Um, and so it was, you know, the opening Q&A and then there would be a sketch, maybe a musical number and then another sketch and then maybe a giant finale at the end or another sketch and then a small finale. Mm-hmm. So that took an hour and a half to shoot. Huh. Because they shot it like a live show. Right. And so they would shoot what they call dress rehearsal in front of one audience. Mm-hmm. And that was the five o'clock show. They'd shoot that from five to 6.30. They'd take a, a dinner break. And if there were any rewrites, which was rare, except for Conway, um, they would do any rewrites needed. Cue cards would be changed if needed. And then they do the air show is what they call it. They shoot that from eight to 9.30 at night with a different audience. Wow. So it was two different audiences. So you had two different reactions, but they shot mm-hmm. it live. They mm-hmm. never hardly ever Mm -hmm. did a pickup in front of an audience Mm -hmm. right yeah and they would only do it if something like was dramatic Mm -hmm. there where they had to reshoot it i mean my dad one time alan king was the guest star and they were shooting this mob sketch and vicky i think it was vicky i think she had these thick glasses on so she couldn't see that well and the sketch was just bad (laughs) <laughs> it was just really, really bad. And they'd shot it in dress and they were doing the, the air show. And finally, my mom was, she hated the sketch. It was just terrible. And my dad, instead of, cause he was in the booth that overlooked the back of the audience and you could see the stage from the glass that didn't just have monitors everywhere. You could actually see the stage live. Mm-hmm. So instead of saying over the microphone in the studio, let's just stop doing this. Um, he went, he got out walked around, went in, and went through a door on the set in his normal outfit. And Vicky is like behind this bar, if I'm remembering right. And she's looking going, who is that in this sketch? I don't, did we rewrite it? And dad just goes up to my mom and goes, stop doing this. Just stop. This is just bad. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) And mom just hugged him. She goes, we'll be right back, you know? And uh, I don't believe that. I think that that might be an outtake somewhere, but he literally was like, I'm not even going to do it over. I'm just going to fuck with you guys and just walk (laughs) through the set as if I'm a character. Um, Because my dad was very funny. But I mean, they never would, first off, stop a sketch unless it was bad. Um, uh, Or like if something, like I went to see a taping of my sister, Sam, God rest Rebecca. Oh, yeah my friend was playing her boyfriend on the show at the time mama's family was being shot again sitcom and that at that moment in time sitcoms were 26 minutes mm-hmm. now they're like 22 and a half right and so it was like four minutes of commercials in a half an hour mm-hmm. and so they would shoot mama's family again two audiences the longest i was ever watching a mama's family be shot was 45 minutes hmm. and they had a set change yeah that was it wow. otherwise it was 35 minutes tops hmm. To, to watch that show being shot, right? Yeah. So I go to see my friend Darren playing her boyfriend on My Sister Sam. And I, I, I was there for an hour and a half. Whoa. Maybe, maybe 145. And he was only on the first half of the episode. 
And as soon as he was done, I left and they were still shooting. Wow. And there's no need for that. There no. literally is no need for And my mom, when she was on um, uh, uh, Paul Reiser and Helen Hunt's show. Yeah, I was on that. Mad oh, About You. I was on Mad About You. And when mom was on Mad About You with Carol O'Connor, mm-hmm. um, my roommate and I were sitting together and I said, "You have." he had a, it was a pager because it was that long ago. And... <laughs> For you kids out there, we used to have pagers. Yeah, anyway, I had a pager um, when I was on Mad About You too. <laughs> so his pager, you could do a timer on it. And so I said to Nikki, I said, whenever they start a new part of a scene, not redoing an old, the same thing, just whenever they start, let me know how much show has been shot. Mm-hmm. So they start the show, stop tape, redo that scene again stop tape but they did the same scene like three or four times in front of the same audience mm-hmm. which is just boring for the audience because they're not right. going to laugh more exactly. than once exactly so we were we had been there for like almost two hours and i looked at nikki i said how much show has been shot he goes nine minutes i'm like yep. whoa oh my god that's ridiculous so when they were doing household name <laughs> when they finished shooting it was still long for a sitcom i think we were there an hour mm-hmm. and because they did reshoot everything again twice which is dumb um <laughs> And so as they're leaving, the AD goes, I've never left work so early. And I'm like, oh, if this show gets gets picked up, you won't be here even this long. Right. Wow. Because my mom's like, no, there's no need for us to be here for three more hours. No. No, there isn't. So shot. It's in the can. There's yeah. literally no reason for us. Yeah. We have an audience reaction, so we can utilize that mm-hmm. as a natural instead of a canned laughter. Mm-hmm. We can use the laughter. And, and we know the reactions and what's working. But there's literally, if you know your lines mm-hmm. <laughs> and you've done your job, the director and producers have literally, and writers have literally no good reason to keep an yeah. audience if you're going to bother with one. Exactly. Longer yeah. than 45 minutes for a half an hour show. It's just stupid. Yeah, it is. Yeah, I think, you know, I saw, I went and saw a taping of Best of the West. And it was funny because I I used to have crushes on weird people. And one of my crushes was Tracy Walter, who played Frog. Do you remember him? No. Oh, my God. Well, you, you, okay, I don't know if you remember, in Silence of the Lambs, he was, I don't, I can't remember what his the medical examiner he might have been the medical examiner but he said something like you know sometimes bob always does the impression sometimes there's leaves and things stuck in the mouth i don't know if if you remember him he's this odd looking guy but frog was Uh a really funny character and i was 13 and it was so funny because i guess my mother was friends with one of the women i don't know who she worked at the the production studio whatever she got us the tickets so not only Mm -hmm. did we get to go watch the show you know my mom had a bit of a crush on joel higgins who was the star um Uh and i had a crush on frog (laughs) and (laughs) and then frog i got two stories about him frog liked my mother so i was jealous i could tell that he liked her and she had like i mean she thought he was funny i loved that show and she thought he was funny but you know she was like looking at joel not at at tracy walter and then um so years later cuz that was when i was like 13 years later i was in my 20s and i was working at the beverly center selling like perfume i was a perfume rep and i would just go into the different stores and so i see tracy walter and i stop him and i was like oh you know whatever i said to him but i said that i saw him um and I don't remember how I worded it. Maybe I said like on the set of Best of the West or I went to see, mm-hmm. I don't remember. But he, 
he was kind of out of it and he he thought that i was an actor on best of the west and then he started <laughs> complaining about not getting residuals <laughs> and i was like okay whatever i didn't even correct him i just thought that was so funny but yeah i mean i ha- and then i worked on mad about you and i was it was funny because on mad about you i was hired as a bit player or a bit part and mm-hmm. i was hired because of my height and then when i got to the set this was so crazy First of all, I get to the set and there's a girl from my fucking eighth and ninth grade class there also as an extra. And we had been friends. So I was like, oh, my God, there's my friend. And then um, Lisa Kudrow was there, obviously, because she was Ursula. And uh, I have to say, one of the nicest human beings ever. And on top of it, she would hang out with the extras and we were all complaining and you know about our weight and she was complaining about her butt and she was just like one of us you know what i mean she didn't have mm-hmm. any airs which i just and then what was really weird and i don't know why and it's not the first time because it happened on days of our lives too and it wasn't just with me another actor had the same thing cuz i was there and i saw it but paul riser and helen hunt stared at me and it was like why are they staring at me and they, they didn't have any expressions on like I couldn't they weren't like looking at me giving me dirty looks or they weren't it wasn't fr- it was just like this weird just staring at me and I'm like boy I hope that means I'm gonna make it which of course I didn't but um so I was hired <laughs> as a bit part and when I got there they were like okay you're not gonna be playing this role it's going to this other girl who I think was like the producer's niece or something and as it turns out I was just, uh, okay, at that point, I was just an extra, but I got way more camera time than the bit part lady. And then when I went to my bank after the show aired, somebody was like, th- now they knew me. The mm-hmm. the bank teller, rec- uh, like they already knew who I was, but they're like, hey, I saw you on Mad About You. And it was the first time I had ever been recognized. And the only reason I was an extra was because I wanted to get my SAG card and I had signed up right. to this agency that if you did three if you did three, it was you either had to audition or get like an extra role. So you like I auditioned for, um, well, it was called Life as We Know It, which is Third Rock from the Sun now, and I auditioned mm-hmm. to be Kristen's body double or not body double stand in, and mm-hmm. I didn't want it because first of all I didn't even know who she was. She wasn't there that day, but um, I didn't want to be a stand in. I wanted to be an actor, right. so I, I lied and, and told them I wasn't available, or, but I got the credit so I could get into SAG, and so I, that was mm. the thing with Mad About You. I got the credit so I could get into SAG, but anyway, I'm going to go to the second question because it's for you, and okay. of course, I didn't write who it's from. Maybe it was from, oh, I see. It's from Jerry. It's still from Jerry, so he says this T-Rex joyfully sings occasionally. Jody knows everyone in Hollywood. That <laughs> being said, who would you say uh, you were the most starstruck by, and who were you, who uh, were you most disappointed by after meeting them? Uh, I'm not going to say the second. Um, <laughs> I know better. Um, <laughs> I know, uh, although I have. I, have. <laughs> I learned the hard way on that one. Um, never disparage anybody. Mm-hmm. They could have just been having a bad day. Well, I disparage uh, Vince Vaughn because he's a dick, but that's another story. Okay, go, go ahead. <laughs> uh, most starstruck, wow. Um, that's tough. I know, you've met a lot. That's really tough. Uh, President Obama. Yeah. Wow, you got um, to meet him? Yeah, I did. How did you meet um, him? In 2013 when my mom got the Mark Twain oh, right, prize. right, right. Um, uh, we weren't sure. Basically, we got in that Friday, and the show was – there was a an event that Saturday, and then the show itself was that Sunday. And so we were all supposed to leave the following Monday morning. 
And then that Friday evening, I get a call from my mom's assistant going, there's a possibility that we're going to meet President Obama, so I've changed your flights. I'm like, okay. <laughs> um, I don't have anything appropriate to wear meeting the president, so my pleather <laughs> pants and my nasty gal sweater was what I met him in. Um, That's so awesome. <laughs> it was either that or a backless dress. I'm like, no, that's inappropriate. Um, so... <laughs> I had nothing to wear to, you know, meet the president. Um, so yeah, we, um, it was right. He, he literally was doing a press conference when we were waiting for him and it was about the affordable care act. And there was a pregnant woman with him and she fainted. Wow. During the press conference. Um, and so they were like, Oh my God. And his, his social secretary, Jonathan was fantastic. And, um, so we got to meet him in the oval. Wow, um, that is so amazing. Was, What's his energy was, like? He's he was um I mean we only I mean we only we got like 15 minutes with him which yeah. is insane. Uh, it's an insane amount of time. Mm -hmm. Um and you know he's mainly talking to my mother for obvious mm -hmm. reasons, but he took he took us all around the oval and showed us the Abraham Lincoln picture as well as the letter that Lincoln wrote that he had on on loan and um what's funny is my one of my oldest and dearest friends Angela her brother was at Harvard Law with him oh wow and they were friends yeah and so as I there's a photograph of me that that Pete Souza took that I have where I'm meeting the president wow. and I literally <laughs> said to him Ira Dave says hello and the look on his face is like I know that name wow how does she know that name why does she I mean, you could see, like, he knew, mm -hmm. like, I know that name, and I know why I know that name. Why does she know that name? Mm -hmm. And then as we were leaving, I said, by the way, my best friend is his little sister. He goes, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. That is so awesome. Oh, my God. Yeah. You know, I met yeah. Bill Clinton before he was president. Oh, my God. I was so starstruck when I met him, too. Oh, my God. That's, well, I wasn't. My girlfriend was all, like, in him. You know, she's, like, talking about, oh, there's this guy. He's running. He's great. He's great. And my father was on his, his campaign because my father worked mm. for ABC News and he came to LA and my girlfriend and I went out to meet my dad for dinner in Santa Monica and she's talking him up and at that point I wasn't political at all but she's talking him up and all of a sudden there he was and it was just mm -hmm. the three of us and mm -hmm. he comes out and he walks over to us and because she's like immediately you know laser right over to him so he comes over to us and he was just very what you would expect very friendly he shook our hands right. he asked for our vote and mm -hmm. uh you know he was just typical bill clinton and then you know my it was funny because my father just told me last night that there was a he was in africa with clinton and they were at some kind of dinner where there was all this buffet and my dad does it fairly decent impression of him and so i guess there was all these exotic and weird foods i think there was like crocodile and so Ew. so bill tasted the crocodile and my dad's like how is it and and he goes tis like chicken <laughs> <laughs> of course i thought that was funny um no when i met when i met president clinton he was the president it was in 2000 it was a fundraiser for hillary mm -hmm. for her running for the senate and mm. she was fantastic yeah and um uh i'm in a receiving line basically to talk to him so it's like Famous person, famous person, famous person, my mother, famous person, me. <laughs> and then famous person, famous person, you know, right behind right, me, like yes. 10 other people. It's like, I'm the only non-famous person in this line. Yeah. And so my mom and, and the president, because they had met before, and mm -hmm. she'd be like, this is my daughter, Jody," And he took my, he shook my hand and did the two-handed yes. shake, right? Right. And then just looked at me 
and then everybody disappeared. Yep. Yeah. It's he has this thing about him hmm. that that uh, President Obama he's very charming, but Clinton's got right. something else. Yeah. He he's definitely um, got that charisma. It's just I don't know. It's like I honestly do not remember what he said other than nice to meet you. Because mm -hmm. <laughs> because it was just like everything just disappeared, and I'm just looking at this man and going, "Hi, hi, hi, hi." Hi, her, hi, her, You know, oh God, and then my so mom funny. and I walked over to uh, soon to be uh, senator and eventually secretary of state, mm -hmm. and should have been our president. Yes. Um, and she was sitting with uh, Jennifer Aniston and Brad Pitt. They were literally sitting next to Hillary Clinton. Wow. So my mom and I go up to that table, and my mom is speaking to uh, Hillary Clinton, and they're having a grand old time and jennifer aniston looks to her husband and hits him on the on his right shoulder <laughs> introduce me to carol burnett and he goes oh just, she's talking just, right and and i said oh i know i know kelly conway and she goes you know wardrobe kelly and i said yeah i've known her my whole life and she goes oh, and she hits him again she goes she knows wardrobe kelly he goes hi and i'm hi i'm jody hi nice to meet you and then my mom stops talking and i go mom i'd like to introduce you to mr and mrs pitt and jennifer aniston looks at me and goes really that's your fucking mother. I'm like, yeah. Oh my god, that's so odd. Well, you know what's funny is on Days of Our Lives, John Aniston um, mm -hmm. plays Victor Kiriakis. That's Jennifer's mm -hmm. father, and mm -hmm. I'm not even answering a question here from any. But but it's funny because I worked with him many times, and then there he was going to be in a play puppet. Oh, no, it wasn't. Pu it was the penis monologues. And oh I, yeah, those and, are great. Yeah, and I thought I need John Aniston was going to read, and I'm like, oh my god, I have to see that because he was just so everything about like not a hair out of place. He mm -hmm. he he seems to have like this conservative personality in person, you know, not political, just a very conservative man. And I thought, oh my god, I got to see this. So my mom and I went along with the makeup artist that we were friends with, and afterward we all went out and had like a coffee with him and it was just the four of us sitting and I'm thinking oh my god I'm sitting here with Brad Pitt's father-in-law and mm -hmm. I just it was I couldn't stop thinking about that and of course Jennifer Aniston too because she was huge at that time but it was like oh my right. god I'm like right here in front of me and he was telling me because he's Greek and he was telling me how he was going to set me up with a, a Greek guy and I was like I'm going to hold you to that I'm going to hold you to that and of course <laughs> it never happened but then it was so funny because my mom was also on Days of Our Lives, she had more work than I did, enough to qualify for the health insurance, which I didn't have. Nice. But she got invited, because she played Eliana, made to the great evil Stefano Demera. And so um, she got invited to, it was, I think it was like a 37th annual Days of Our Lives party. It was at the House of Blues. And so John was there. And I remember I was kind of drunk. And I like said I just because he was like everything was always so perfect on him and I, I remember being drunk and telling him I wanted to mess up his hair really badly and I honestly can't remember if he let me I don't think that he, he did probably did I can't I remember mean, he, just, he seems like like he's that super kind of nice yeah and it was so funny to listen to him talking about um and it was so funny too because they had they had questions when we went to go see the play they had questions from the audience but you would pick the question from a hat or something and then you would ask the question on that card and the question that i got was is is sperm fattening 
or does it have a lot of calories? And my mother goes, of course you would get that question because I was always <laughs> so concerned about my weight, <laughs> which was so funny. <laughs> That's funny. Um, That's very funny. Okay. So then from Barbara, question for Kimberly on, of all your days of our lives appearances, which appearance was your favorite? Which actor did you like working with the best? Well, I've got to say my favorite actor, he was on the show as James Reynolds. He, I, I played a police officer most of the time. So he played the police chief and it was Abe Carver. And we always had such a blast. That guy has no airs. He's one of the nicest people ever. But there was a lot of really nice people. Of course, there were people that I didn't like very much. Um, but I won't go into too much detail about them. Uh, so, and what was my favorite appearance? I'm not really sure. I think there were there were several. But I will say there was one night where we were doing... It was a It was a gala event. And I had to go undercover as a cop. So I got to wear a gown. And it was funny, though, because I, I didn't like the way they did my hair they kept curling they kept curling my bangs real tight little curls and it's like and I I kept smoothing it out and then they would do it again but (laughs) it was it was one of those like long days shooting and I'm trying to remember what happened so it was really it was getting late and everybody was getting really punchy and uh Deidre Hall who plays Marlena she was getting irritated because people were just like not, you know, they weren't paying attention and it was already 11 o'clock at night. And so she yelled at everybody and she told everybody, come on, man, we all want to go home. Let's just do this. And so we, I was rehearsing my scene and we were just about to break for 15 minutes. And so I did, I did the rehearsal and then privately she came up to me and she, she gave me all these, she's like, you know what? to get your best light you should stand this way and you should and she just gave me all these really helpful pointers and it was so sweet sweet. and you know she and I had a little bit of a bond because I used to work for perfume and you know perfume company and I had all this fucking perfume and there was one that she liked so I brought her a bunch of perfume and she knew that I wanted to do Taibo and so she brought me a tape of her Taibo and so, like, Aww. she was just super sweet. So that's so nice. It, she was just really nice. So that was that was probably my favorite experience. Um, okay, <laughs> so let's see, Andrew. What is the dirtiest dish you have on someone famous? <laughs> You're probably not going to answer this. What is the dirtiest dish you have on someone famous? You wouldn't expect to have that dirty dish. Names would be great, but certainly not required, just to avoid any legal pitfalls. So, do you have any like anonymous dish? I, I don't know what he means by dirty. Um, (laughs) well just maybe that they wouldn't want you like something embarrassing or that they wouldn't want you to know but you don't necessarily have to say their name uh, (laughs) (laughs) um, I can't really I mean the people the people that I've met first off are like my parents peers Mm -hmm. Um, so I met them when I was a kid Mm -hmm. So I don't really have any dirt. <laughs> um, and as far as people that are contemporary, I'm not saying a word. Yes, um, well, I understand. <laughs> Beth, although uh, Beth says, speaking for myself, I wouldn't hear as much dirt as you both are willing to dish up. And I want names. <laughs> <laughs> I just, you know, it's funny. I remember um, somebody I knew was going to be going on um, Hollywood Squares and was out partying like the night before mm-hmm. and was like, now I have to do five episodes of Hollywood Squares <laughs> and I have to be there in an hour and a half. Wow. And it's like, okay. You know, <laughs> well, I like, think literally up all night yes. and it's like, oh, really? Shit. You know, that's hilarious. Um, I mean, we, <laughs> um, there's, do you remember backstage in Beverly Hills, that bar? I don't think so. I don't think I ever went there. 
it was a tiny little hole in the wall off of Cannon, um, on Brighton Way in Cannon, I want to say, but I might be wrong on, but I know it was off Cannon. Mm-hmm. And um, it was near that cool um, uh, gas station that's old school. Mm-hmm. It's now a- Oh, uh, right, yeah. It's a 76 station. Mm-hmm. It was near there. Okay. And it was like a teeny tiny little bar. And my sister and I used to hang out there. And um, literally one night, we were just having a good time. And guess what? We got on the bar. <laughs> wow. So the, the joke was, so when I was dancing on the bar, I mean, Piper Parabo should be very happy about that. Um, <laughs> really? Exactly. <laughs> uh, it was pre, it was pre that movie too, but um, it was just really like, oh, we're getting up on the bar. Okay. <laughs> Let's do that. You know, and the bartender was like, here, let me give you a hand. Yeah. Get up, ladies. Oh my God. Okay. That's so funny. And do you remember the beauty bar? In yes, Hollywood? I never went, but I remember it. Yes. Okay, so we used to hang out there. So you could still smoke then too. And um, there was one night, um, and most of the bartenders there were gay men, mm-hmm. um, or straight women. It was never straight men, right? Except for my friend Sean, he did work there for a little bit. And um, one night I was parched, and I had this really pretty um, red kind of satin bra on, so I just took my shirt off. <laughs> and and my sister was in the other room smoking. She goes, are we a little parched, dear? And I said, yes, Carrie. I would like some beer. Hi. And the guy's like, all right. They're all right. <laughs> oh my I mean, God, it was fully so covered. I mean, I have bikini right. tops that are smaller exactly. than that. But it was just exactly. like, I, am, I would like a beer, please. <laughs> Well, so I'm only telling dirt on myself. Exactly. Well, the dirt that I, I will not say a name, um, but there was a woman, and that's all I'll say. There was a woman on Days of Our Lives who was extremely disappointing. I, you know, watched that show since I was a kid. I watched her since I was a kid. And I always, you know, I mean, I always had a positive feeling toward her because I just loved that show. And right. so when I started working on that show and I would work with her, I noticed that like one time I, for some reason, and I don't know why I was allowed to watch, uh, watch a scene that was happening that I was not in. Normally they didn't allow people to just be sitting around on the stage, but I, in this particular, you know, this time I got to sit there and I was watching. And so this woman was talking to another person. And I think the other person was just like a what makeup artist or something like that. So, and the woman, the famous woman on the show, knew I was there and she was making sure she kept checking and looking to see if I could hear her and was listening. I could see her doing that. And she was talking shit about somebody else on the show that she, another famous actor that she didn't like and that she wound up got getting kicked off and she was bragging about that. And, and she kept looking over at me and I could see her out of the corner of my eye. And I kept thinking, why does she give a shit? Like I know who she is. She's one of the big, huge names on this show and mm-hmm. um, so I thought that was kind of weird. And the other thing, there was two things. So then when my mom and I, when my mom was invited to the 37th party, our friend who the, make, the, um, the makeup artist who we went out to the play to see John Aniston, you know, we all went together. And there mm-hmm. were, it was at the, um, like, a, uh, it was at that club that I just said that, of course, the name is escaping me and I'll think of it in a minute. But um, it was just open seating. And... Mm-hmm. 
so this particular actress was seated at this table and there was a lot of empty seats. There were a whole bunch of tables around and most of it was like lunchtime at fucking school, you know. So right. we all go and we sit down where the seats were available and our friend who was the makeup artist knew everyone there anyway. And later the makeup artist told me that this actress complained that my mother and I dared to sit at her table. What a fucking bitch. And the thing is, is she was also, I know she, now I'm not making fun of her because I had an eating disorder, but she had an eating disorder and, um, and it was very evident and I'm not going to get into do too many details as to why it's evident because I don't want to single her out and somebody might recognize, oh, I get it. But it was funny because there was this, there was a, I think I'm trying to remember if it was me or my mom, I'm confusing who experienced it, but it was the Thanksgiving show and there was all this food. I think it, mm-hmm. I was watching. Yeah, it was me. So there's all this food, and you could watch on the closed uh, caption or the closed circuit TV. Uh, you right. could watch them rehearse in your dressing room. So I was watching the rehearsal, and this particular actress was literally like stuffing her mouth with all the food. And wow. the next day, there was a note up on um, before you walked onto the set. It says, "Please do not eat the real food." <laughs> I just thought that was kind of funny. But I mean, I know I know she had an eating disorder. Yeah. I just I know she did for a couple of reasons, but it was just such a disappointment because, like I said, I had liked her, and unfortunately, she just I don't know what her problem was with me. Clearly, she was much higher than I was, and that was the other thing on Days of Our Lives. There was I'll just I'll just say who it was, and I can't even remember her name, but it was the second Billy. There was the first Billy, um, which is Lisa Renna. So it wasn't Lisa Renna. It was the second woman who played Billy. She stared at me, and she stared at my friend, and we're both tall. But mm-hmm. neither one of us had the soap opera look. She did. She was very pretty and very, you know, I mean, very, very pretty. And it's not to say I don't want to talk myself down, but I just I never saw myself as like the real soap opera type. Um, I didn't necessarily have that look, in my opinion. I could have. But I mean, when it, you just speak generally, I didn't feel like I did. She did. And and she was very pretty. And it was like, I wondered, I just thought, why is she? She stared at my friend, too. And it was mm-hmm. like, neither one of us had that real soap opera look. And I, I always wondered what the fuck, you know, what was up with all of that. Um, okay, wait, now this one's for you from Bertha. So this is for the delightful Jody. Your sister <laughs> became an actress and a singer like your mother. You chose behind the camera stage roles like your father. Did mm-hmm. your other sister and half siblings go into entertainment too? Or did they decide that you guys were enough for the family? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, okay, so my brother Joe was a singer. Mm-hmm. Um, he was in a band called Silver Spoon a hundred years ago. Um, and they were called that because they were all born with silver spoons in their mouths. <laughs> and um, uh, they actually, if you ever see the original miniseries Helter Skelter mm-hmm. with Steve Railsback playing Manson, um, all the Beatles music that you hear is Silver Spoon. And my brother's band played a bunch of the Manson family members as extras. <laughs> wow. <laughs> um, my brother didn't, my dad was like, don't give him that role. It's bad enough. You know. <laughs> um, and then my brother Jeffrey was a makeup artist. He was, he eventually huh. was my mother's makeup artist. Wow. Um, yeah. She, when um, Al quit, um, Al Schultz was my mom's makeup artist until the 10th or 11th, the uh, 10th season, I think, on my mom's show. And then Jeffrey became her makeup artist. He did her makeup for Annie and everything until he couldn't work anymore. And he was also the key makeup artist on, he eventually became the key makeup artist on Love Boat. Mm-hmm. And oh, right, then, yeah. Um, Love Melrose Place. Boat. Wow. And then 
when um, uh, Linda, what is her name from Dallas? She ended up, she was on the spinoff on Models oh, Inc. Yeah, yeah, Linda, Linda, Linda. I can't think of her last name. God damn it. And so when my brother passed away, she went to my brother's memorial, very lovely woman. And she said, I never had a key man clause with a makeup artist in my life until your brother. Wow. Wow. Basically with Mr. Spelling, Linda um, Gray. Jeffrey was a key, he was the key makeup guy on Melrose Place. So Heather and all the ladies, you know, Jeffrey's our guy. Yeah. And so when Linda got that role, she literally loved his work as well from other things that she'd met him on. And uh, she's like, yeah, I'm not doing the show unless Jeffrey's my makeup artist. That's Linda Gray, right? Linda, yes, yeah, same, okay. thank you. And she goes, I never had a makeup artist as a key man clause in my life. But, and, <laughs> and Mr. Spelling just was lovely with my brother, kept him working on as until he couldn't work anymore, basically, because he got real sick. And But Mr. Spelling was uh, really, really lovely to my brother. Um, and wow. So, yeah, Jeffrey's a makeup artist. Uh, my sisters Kathy and Nancy are in politics. Um, oh, interesting. And uh, Jenny... Uh, Judy is a uh, hairstylist, but she's never like working that way. Mm -hmm. um, John is a producer. My brother John is a producer. He worked with my dad, um, and I've worked with him. And um, he's a great producer. And then my little sister is also a singer. So, wow, yeah, well, that's amazing. <laughs> that's interesting, though. Um, do, does your sister cut your hair? No, <laughs> I cut my bangs by myself. Thank you very much. Hence with my look. Um, so do I. <laughs> uh, it's so easy. It doesn't cost anything. I know. Um, no, I've never had Judy do my hair. And then my sister Dana, um, she was um, she was a psychologist. Mm, interesting. Um, basically. Um, so Kathy, if I'm going to go in order of <laughs> Kathy, Dana, Joe, Jeff, Judy, John, Jenny, Nancy, Carrie, me, and Aaron. Um, so Kathy was the oldest. She was the one that introduced my mom to the ERA in the seventies. Really? Uh, wow. Yeah. 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 Well, and my you know, dad, I, she's like, you guys, but y'all have to, you know, yeah. be for it. My dad's like, of course I have eight daughters. Uh, <laughs> um, and I saw your mom because she was in that, um, was it PBS? I think it was PBS did a special makers, women who make America. And mm -hmm. they specifically focused on the equal rights amendment. And your mom was in that. And that was awesome. Oh yeah, there's pictures of her with Harvey, and there's a picture of her and Marlo Thomas and Harvey Corman and Alan Alda wow. and all these people. I'm like, oh, and then Mom's next to that. Oh, look at who she's <laughs> next to. All these famous people. That is so. That is so cool. I I just love it. Okay, so here. Okay, I got to read this to you. So Tom says this one is so that Jody can tell a story she mentioned on Stephanie's show a few weeks ago that she was a, that she was at a showgirls viewing party. And I can't yes. remember the celebrity, Faye Dunaway, who was there. Yeah. They got off on a tangent. We didn't get the full story. Also, what was the reaction in the room when Elizabeth Berkeley licked that stripper pole? <laughs> jo Jody has the best weird Hollywood stories. <laughs> okay, so Mark Cherry, who produced Desperate Housewives. Mm -hmm. um, I met him way before he got that series. Mm -hmm. um, he worked. He was a writer on Golden Girls. Mm. He actually did a spec script for Golden Girls and got the job, which is very rare. Wow. Um, usually you do a spec script yeah. for another show to get on a show mm -hmm. um, because the wow. writers don't want you to like steal their thunder basically. Yeah. But he ended up working on Golden Girls and when I met him in 2003, 2002 or 2003, the first time, 
really nice guy, you know, and he's like, yeah, I've got the show. I'm hoping to sell it. And hi, Desperate Housewives years later. Um, so Kyle McLaughlin was a guest star on Desperate Housewives. And Dixie Carter was playing his mother on the show at the time. So Mark decided to have a showgirls party and invite <sighs> Kyle to it to do commentary. <laughs> So my oh friend my Jeff, <laughs> Lonnie, and I were invited, and there's Dixie Carter. I mean, mm-hmm. designing women, mm-hmm. this Southern Belle, you know, yeah, like the Mrs. Hell Holbrook. I mean, right. all of that, right? And, <laughs> and so we're and we're in Mark's screening room in his house, lovely. I mean, gorgeous house, obviously, because Desperate Housewives paid well. Yeah, and um, <laughs> uh, and so we're all watching it, and then the the pool scene. <laughs> Now, Kyle McLaughlin basically admitted to everybody, I don't remember shooting this movie. I was pretty much drunk the whole time. And so the pool scene starts, and we all go, stop it. And and Mark goes, sweat and go, Miss Dixie Carter should not be watching her pretend son do this. Because all of a sudden, her southernness started coming right, out. Like, yeah. oh, my. Oh. <laughs> You know, right. and my friend Jeff, who's from Alabama, mind you, mm-hmm. we're like, Miss Dixie Carter, do you want to go home? She goes, yes. And so Jeff walked her to her car. Wow. <laughs> to make oh sure she God. got in okay. <laughs> wow. That's hilarious. So she yeah, didn't. Mr. It, it was a fun night. I mean, that was just like, because it's the dumbest movie. It is. And his so commentary, we'd, we'd stop every like 15, 20 minutes, go, how do you feel about this? You know, <laughs> he was, he was quite the sport talking right. about it. He really was. Oh my God. That's funny. So I guess Dixie left the room when Elizabeth Berkeley <laughs> liked the stripper pole. <laughs> she was gone by that point, I believe. And um, uh, yeah, we sent her on, we sent Mrs. Holbrook home. That's hilarious. Because uh, it was just like, no, it's she's too way much. too Southern and genteel for right. this. We yeah. can't be showing her this. <laughs> Well, the last, it's not really a question, but I did promise Cindy that I was going to tell her about Victor Newman from YNR. Now, this is not going to make you happy, Cindy, and I'm sorry, Um, but my mother worked on Young and the Restless, and so as she was entering the CBS building, whatever the guy's name is, because I don't know his name, and everybody fucking loves him. Everybody loves Victor Newman. Eric Braden? Yes, Eric Braden. My mom was just like, you know, I mean, he didn't know her or anything. She had just gone on, I, I don't know what she just was hired for maybe it was an under five or a day player or whatever it was but anyway I guess like he he kind of she was walking to the door to open the main door to the entrance of the building maybe he was just in a hurry but like he 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 was she explained he was very rude he cut in front of her and you know kind of like got in her way and opened the door and didn't hold it open for her and let it slam on her face and Ah. the rest of the day while she was there she just said his energy was terrible and he was so pompous and so rude so I hate to burst your bubble and I will talk shit about him only because I don't know him and he's not going to sue me so I don't really fucking care but um, (laughs) you know it's like the one on days of our lives I don't necessarily think she would sue me and she probably would never even know that I'm talking about it but I just feel like first of all I don't want to expose someone for having an eating disorder because I certainly I had my own it's not I'm not mocking her for that but I just knew that she did and because I had one and I could see the signs and I was like yes all there and uh you know but it's like I and I've also told the story on the show of Vince Vaughn just being a complete asshole when I you know I liked him and my and it was before he was famous I think I'm trying to remember I think they had just shot swingers and they were editing it so it hadn't even come out yet 
So he wasn't like famous, but I would see him everywhere and he got right in my face. And my friend was saying, you know, Kimberly, you know, what do you do for a living? And and he would say an actor. What a coincidence. So is Kimberly because she knew I liked him and I was too shy um, to say anything. So then he put like I was sitting with my back to the bar and he puts one hand on one side of the bar and uh, on, you know, one side of me and then the other hand on the other. And he gets right up into my face and he goes, oh, I get it. You like me. And then he walked away and I just thought, what a fucking dick. But I was kind of grateful because I got to see who he was in that moment. And like it would have been it would have really sucked if he thought I was pretty and liked me. And mm-hmm. then I found out later because I would have just been a sucker. I would have, you know, yeah. he, he, to me, he was like six, four, six, five. He was the ultimate mm-hmm. type at that time. And I just thought he was so cute that I put way too much power in his hands. Like he, I would have let him treat me like shit. So I'm just grateful that in that moment he showed me who he was and he can fucking sue me. I don't care. And I'm sure he wouldn't. But. <laughs> <laughs> so that is um, pretty much it uh, for the celebrity Hollywood story portion of the show. Um, now we're going to talk a little bit about, and we're not going to spend too much time on politics, but I have to talk about this because, oh my fucking God, that Rolling Stone story. Did you read it? No shit. Oh. I've read, I've read most of it. Yeah. I haven't read it because it's, it's, you know, it's, it's yeah. a read, but it's holy read. shit, they're naming names. They are. They named, now I don't know how to say this. Is it Gosar? Paul Gosar? Uh-huh. That's his name. Okay. Yeah. So Lauren Boebert, Mo Brooks, Madison Cawthorn, Andy Biggs, Louis Gohmert, and, uh, not only that, it was, what's her name? Marjorie Three Toes. Yes, they specifically uh-huh. said they remembered her. And then there's that video of her. Yes, Scott, Scott Dworkin reposted yes. it today. Yes. Yeah, yeah. so, I mean, she's basically saying, hey, we had this really great meeting and planning for, you know, the vote. and whatever. She's, like, admitting it. <laughs> it's like, holy shit. Now, have you seen, there is a HBO special called Four Hours at the Capitol? No, I did not. I want to watch that. My mom and father saw it and it's like an hour and a half and evidently there's just more footage than we've ever seen and I guess Michael Fanone if I say his name right who broke my mm-hmm. fucking heart the other night on Chris Hayes because oh did you see that did you see him on Chris Hayes on Thursday no I did not oh, how did he break God. your heart just because he was I mean he he is just damaged by this yeah, and, he is. you know, he's, and it, he's, he was almost murdered. I yeah. mean, he was he was close to death, that poor man. And, and he was a Trump supporter. And I mean, it's just sad. Yeah. And he's disgusted now and he doesn't mm-hmm. want to. I didn't know he was a Trump supporter. That's interesting. But he I believe um, he said he voted for Trump uh, on one of the earlier interviews with him. I believe he said he voted for him. Okay. I, he obviously doesn't support. Right. Um, but I mean, he you know, his demeanor, you could just, you could just mm-hmm. see him. I mean, I, I, I want to be very careful to say I'm not pitying him. I don't want no. to throw him my pity, but I feel for him because I know yeah. that he's going to carry this with him for the rest of his life. And mm-hmm. he is he is broken because of it. They broke him and mm-hmm. he's never going to be the same person. And it just and this is America's fault. And granted, mm-hmm. it's not my fault. I mean, I voted for Hillary Clinton, but it's it's our fault. It's the country's fault because we have allowed it to get to this point. And it's it just it really made me so sad because you could just see it. He He's going to yeah. go. He's back to work he's not full-time and he will be eventually and as the years go by clearly this will be you know the farther away f- that he gets from this the easier it will be on him but just like you know I look at my dad and he went to Vietnam and it damaged him he was a young yeah. man and my dad has had a really successful career and now he's in retirement and he's happy and he has his family around him and you know he's capable of anything 
but he is damaged because he had to see whatever the fuck, because I don't know. I know one story, but that's only a story he told my mother. He didn't tell her anything except for this one awful story. Um, he told me another story, which I'm not going to tell these stories because it's his personal business. And also one of them is just, it's, it's so awful and I don't want to bring anybody's day down, but, um, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, it's like you, you can see the damage and, and when, whenever I mention that somebody is a veteran, it's like my dad, you know, I can tell sometimes when I'm, when I'm boring my father, <laughs> when I'm <laughs> talking to him and he's just like, yeah, I'm checking out. And then I say the word veteran. And it, he just, well, was he a Marine? Because my dad was a Marine. You know, was he, was he in the Navy? Was he a Marine? Blah, blah, blah. And it was like my, my brother was considering the Marines. And my father was like, no. And he convinced my brother to go in the Navy, which probably mm-hmm. saved his life. You know what I mean? Because my, he could have gone. Well, off- Marines go in first, baby. They go mm-hmm. in first, you know. Um, exactly, yeah. So, um, but it just, it just broke my heart. And it made me really sad because I just thought, God, I mean, we have so much to do. Um, but what a what I want to ask you, and I want to talk about two more things. Number one, um, as far as Bannon's concerned, and I want to, I want to get, I'm going to have Allison Gill on the show so she can talk to this. Um, she can talk about this absolutely, but she did a thread, which I'm calling up right here. So she said, I've now heard from multiple sources that the DOJ might be considering delaying a Bannon indictment for criminal contempt in order to secure ruling from the courts affirming that Bannon's testimony has a legislative purpose. And she says, let me be clear. First, there's nothing confirming that this will happen. I would strongly agree with a months-long delay to secure a ruling on what we already know to be true, that the committee has a legislative purpose. But it is not a totally stupid defense that Bannon, that the Bannon team would use, quote, if the Congress does not have prosecute, prosec- prosecutorial power, what possible legislation purpose exists to justify the compelled testimony okay Uh, (laughs) well there you go um and this goes on i'm not going to read the whole thread but that's just the gist of it so all of that said um and i've been saying on fucking twitter that i do think he's going to go to jail and -hmm. i could have egg on my face what's your take what's your feel on this right now well i do listen to um two different podcasts hashtag sisters in law and um this other one with Harry Littman, who's the mm-hmm. name of the show is escaping me. And they're all lawyers. <laughs> and he did an article about this recently. They're all lawyers. And they both talked about Bannon in particular, their past week, this past week's shows. Mm-hmm. And um, Jill Weinbanks and others, uh, having been in the DOJ, uh, two mm-hmm. of her compatriots have been in the DOJ. They're all like, look, the evidence that he has denied a subpoena Mm -hmm. is there. Mm -hmm. I mean, the criminal charge is there. You cannot not go in front of any subpoena. Mm -hmm. You can show up and not answer questions, Mm -hmm. but you have to at least show up. Right. And so the fact that he didn't do that already, that's basically proven. Okay. Um, The legislative interest is oversight, is what Joel said and and, uh, Barb McQuaid and and, uh, Joyce Vance. Hmm. Um, they're all like, no, it's oversight. Mm-hmm. If Congress doesn't do its oversight, why even bother having witnesses ever? Right. Wow. Um, so that's the legislative interest mm-hmm. is oversight. We are we are overseeing mm-hmm. something that happened to our country. Therefore, we need witnesses to come and cooperate. Yeah. He is one of them. Mm-hmm. He can come up and say he he would he can claim privilege all he wants, mm-hmm. but he has to show up first. And then he can also claim Fifth Amendment, mm-hmm. which is his prerogative. 
Um, and I kind of hope that's what happens because then hopefully we will not do a, a, a Iran-Contra thing, whereas we give him immunity because, mm-hmm. no, he should right. get immunity. Yeah. He needs to be prosecuted, whether it's through the DOJ or just being made to testify at uh, these hearings because he doesn't have any executive privilege for no. obvious fucking reasons. <laughs> yeah. I have as much exactly. as a podcaster of 12 and a yes. half years. <laughs> I mean, yeah, you exactly. know, fuck. Um, you know, well, what's I just going to say about this? Um, do you, somebody said that he, okay, so let's say he agrees and he shows up and he pleads the fifth on everything. Somebody was explaining why that's still beneficial. Do you know the answer? Well, because then it's like, which to hide and bucko. Right. And then the DOJ can then charge him as long as they don't give him immunity. Uh-huh. Like they did to Oliver North. Um, he can then be prosecuted properly mm. and not get off on a technicality like Ollie North did. Right. Okay. Well, we'll see what now. Do you think that they're going to move this week? Do you think DOJ will go for an arrest or do you think, do, what do you think, what he's going to do? I, well, it's today's Monday, right? Mm-hmm. Um, um, give it another week or so. I mean, they really want to make sure that this is not political. Mm-hmm. Um, but they really do need to show others that are refusing yes. potentially to, to, to testify that no this is this is serious business yeah. you know you're you're going to either pay a fine and or spend time in jail and yeah. and others have been positing that oh they could put him because they don't have a jail at the bottom of the capitol i don't mm-hmm. care dc has plenty of fucking jails yeah. <laughs> exactly yeah wow uh, they don't need because some people are like oh they could put him up in a hotel room fine uh then there should be a cement slab mm-hmm. with a really shitty um, a mattress and a little jumpsuit and no TV and no mm-hmm. Wi-Fi and no room service mm-hmm. unless it's from a jail. Right. You know, you don't, and no view. Mm-hmm. Close the fucking curtains. You can't open them. Mm-hmm. Fuck you. Yeah. You know? Well, I thought that he would go to jail. I have been saying I think he will because, you know, and it's it's not to say that I, you know, I don't know anything. I'm just guessing here. But I feel like what's been happening, and I know that, you know, the committee voted on it and then the House voted on it, and then it gets turned over to the Washington uh, Attorney General, which will obviously mm-hmm. have some input from DOJ, Merrick Garland. Um, I can't imagine, though, that with what was said uh, by everybody talking about this, they said, we're making an example out of you. Mm-hmm. So. I mean, uh, so it's not the it's the House or the 1-6 committee that's going to decide if he's going to go to jail, but it seems to me that they're putting out this strong message, and to go along with that, the DOJ would say, yes, if, if you don't testify, we're putting you in jail. So Well, and that's the thing. I mean, when, when uh, Thompson and Adam Schiff and Cheney were all saying, yeah, we're going to refer this, it suggests to me that they had an assurance from the DOJ, yeah, we're going to. Right. We're going to prosecute. Yeah, this. and that's I the mean, other thing. Exactly. It's that just they would politically be stupid together. to say we're going to do this and think and that that's not going to happen. Yeah, that would be, and they already have to worry about articles being written about how fucking Joe Biden says fuck. Who gives a shit? Mm-hmm. Oh know? fuck! We knew that already. It's a big I fucking know. deal. We said that years ago. We already knew he had a potty mouth. <laughs> and who doesn't like? Of, of course, so did Trump. But I'm sure you know Obama did too. All of a, yeah. every fucking president is going to cuss. Uh, of course you would. That's just so dumb. But then the last thing I want to talk about, and this is not fun, but um, oh my god, the fucking the rust, Alec Baldwin, and of course um, Don Jr. is being such a f- jerk about this. But yeah. now, I mean, the way from what I understand, Alec Baldwin was one of the producers, or the producer was her, his production company. Um, He's one of the producers of the show of okay. the movie. Yeah. 
And then obviously people were walking out because the conditions, they were trying to cut corners and people were walking out. And on the day of the shooting, if I'm not mistaken, uh, they had walked out and then they brought in non-union people. What happened from what I understand, they were, it was IATSE folks because the strike could have happened last Monday. It did not. It was averted. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think they were already kind of getting ready to leave because they didn't like the conditions on set for whatever reason. That's yeah. up to, there's an AD responsible right. for a lot of that. Um, and that's a union guy. The mm-hmm. AD is a union guy. So is the director. And I'm glad that that person is okay. Yeah. Um, uh, from what I understand, first off, there should never be a live round no. anywhere near a fucking set. No. Okay. And nowadays, especially, you don't even need a blank, a gun that'll shoot a blank, which, mm-hmm. by the way, the only difference between a blank and a bullet is the blank is flat and the bullet is rounded. That's it. Yeah. They both still have gunpowder. There's both a projectile is coming out. It's not as aerodynamic as a bullet, but it right. still can hurt somebody. I mean, yes. two people have died. Brandon Lee and, yeah. and John Eric Hexum died mm-hmm. from blanks. So. Mm-hmm. It's not like a cap gun, which can also hurt you, but mm-hmm. you know what I mean? There are air guns now that we that can be utilized that look like an old-timey gun um, that are just, they push air so that you get a kickback from the gun, but nothing, nobody gets hurt. And from what I gather is the, the, the armory person who is 24 years old, and she's also made mistakes apparently in the mm-hmm. past, that gun in particular had misfired at least three times prior to that day. Wow. There were three other guns that they could have utilized that they did not. And according to the most recent thing that I read, um, cause it's all still, you know, they're still investigating. Mm-hmm. Um, they, the gun was handed to the AD. The AD said it was a cold gun. They were going to hand it to Mr. Baldwin. And then I guess they broke for lunch. Mm-hmm. They come back from lunch and then they still assume it's a cold gun. And so, unfortunately, they were rehearsing. Mm-hmm. And you've seen you've seen guns being pointed at a camera, yeah. yeah, a million times, right? And then the flash goes off, and the smoke comes out of the mm-hmm. gun. We've seen it in every yeah. fucking movie, you know. And and Lonnie was saying, "Well, you shouldn't sh- point a gun at anybody." I said, "Hi, you're playing Superman. You're getting shot at." Yeah. You know, because you're playing Superman, mm-hmm. so somebody's going to be shooting at Superman because he's can repel bullets right or you're wonder woman and she's got the bracelets so that's guns are pointed at actors yeah all the time yeah um and that's unfortunate but it's just how things are yeah. all i know is that that rehearsal obviously he was going to shoot at the camera they were rehearsing as a dp would mm-hmm. she'd be right with the camera and so would the director mm-hmm. that's why they were in the in the eyeline of that right. bullet the fact that there was a live round in that fucking gun i know is insanity mm-hmm. to me yeah, um, Tracy Nelson, the actor, mm-hmm. she posted on Facebook the other day regarding this. She's she's worked for years yeah. and she's had to shoot guns and had guns pointed at her. And she says every time she's been handed a gun, she opens up the barrel, whether mm-hmm. it's a shotgun or whatever it is, to make sure there's nothing in there. Yes. And she literally posted, she goes, I get so many eye rolls, mainly from men. Mm-hmm. Of course. And because how dare she be, you know, right. I told her it was a cold gun. I don't care. Right. You know, because it is dangerous. And unfortunately, Mr. Baldwin trusted right. the AD and the armory person. Now, as an actor, he is not responsible. Unfortunately for him, because he's a producer, he is responsible right. for the conditions on that set. Whether he's a producer in name or, or not. Exactly. Which yeah. is most likely what it fucking is. Yeah. Because um, uh, I have issues on producer credit. But anyway, um, <laughs> having been a producer, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh credit is not the same thing as actually doing the job right, um right right but i digress uh <laughs> he is 
ultimately responsible and he's going to be sued rightfully yeah. so right unfortunately for him mm -hmm. but he also i mean did you see the photographs of the anguish on his face mm -hmm. I can't fucking just, imagine. I can't, I can't even, I can't, he, the nightmares he must be oh having. Oh my God. And it's never going to, he's going to be haunted by this forever. Forever. And then on top mm -hmm. of it, you know, the right is turned, you know, I'm not even going to repeat what they're saying, but you can just imagine. Yeah. And, I know. you know, it's, it's not his fault. It's his, it, no. it's his responsibility as a producer to make sure that that set is safe, but mm -hmm. it's not, you know, obviously this was not intentional. Obviously yeah. this was a, mis a horrible fucking mistake. And, yeah. you know, and it just, it's just, I mean, as much as, you know, I've, I've heard stories about Alec Baldwin that I don't love. I've seen him defending, um, what's his name, the Cuomo. And, you know, I've seen him say things that I don't necessarily like. I mean, I, I heard along with millions of other people, the way he spoke to his daughter in that voice message. And, right. you know, and I know Kim Basinger is not necessarily too thrilled with him. But you know what? That's not my business. I don't know enough about him. I know that, you know, my parents and I have been in arguments before and the tone that, you know, whether it's my father or my mother took with me, if it was out of context, it could make them look like a bad person when they're not. Right. So I don't want to rush to the judgment. I didn't like what he said about Cuomo. Basically, he was uh, he was taking Cuomo's side and not the women's side. But I just I just you know, I mean. There are things about Alec Baldwin that I've thought, mm, not, but I mean, God, the man is so talented. And I never, ever would in a million years say, oh, he did this on purpose or. Oh, God, you know, no. No, no, no. And, no, I, no. and I feel so much for him and his family. I can't imagine what it would. It's going to be fucking hell on earth for him until he dies. He's going to well, just carry like with, this with him With forever. John Landis in Twilight Zone, remember when Vic Mora was yes. decapitated oh, on set? Oh, my God, I mean, yes. Oh, my God. Yeah, and then the know. little girl from Poltergeist. She died. Uh -huh. So I can't, again, I can't imagine what that would be like, especially a little fucking girl. I mean, but now, you know, this woman is gone and she had a kid. She had a family and now this yep. kid doesn't have yep. a mom. And he's he's going to carry that. He's going to feel oh, that yeah. burden. And I just, uh, it just, it's such a horrible story. But I hope that because of this, you know, Hollywood gets better with guns. I know Kirk Acevedo was tweeting that he you know, he was with, on Band of Brothers. He's worked with yeah. a lot of guns, and he said he can't handle, you know, when the the, the sound from a, a gunshot. So he'll wear right. earplugs, and then the earplugs make it hard for him to hear the actors. So it's right. like there's so much that can be done now with CG. I'm hoping that mm -hmm. that's what they'll just stick with and, you know, absolutely be checking the guns to make sure there's no live rounds in them because, oh, my God, how did that well, even the, fucking happen? The dumps. The dumb, stupid movie, sweet, very adorable little movie that I did. Uh, oh God, it took us three years to shoot. Um, <laughs> where I play the the gay ninja. Um, <laughs> there's a scene in the in the movie where I come in with a machine gun. Wow, it's a toy gun. Right. They had Audrey had me shoot it, so I did a kickback on my own. And then she put in, and this is a cheap little movie. I mean, yeah. I think it cost forty grand. She put it in the smoke. She, you know, later. Yeah, right. And this is not. I mean, I know Alec Baldwin's movie is quoted independent, but you several million dollars, I'm sure. Yes. Um. So the air, I believe it was Kirk Acevedo saying, you know, there are air guns now that they can use. Yes. Because there's literally yeah. no reason to have anything other than a toy gun mm -hmm. that doesn't shoot even a cap. Mm -hmm. Um, on set and you can 3d print a fucking old timey gun at this point. That's yeah. not a real gun. No right. firing pins do that. I mean, there are so many ways to make it safer. Yeah. Um, uh, and it's, there's literally no reason for any actual bullets to be anywhere near a fucking set. And that's what angers me is like, why were there bullets yeah. anywhere near there? 
Yeah. That that's weird. And I guess I hopefully we'll get to the bottom of it. I don't know what the fuck was going on, but it's just God that news came down and I just my stomach. It I just got like I, I was like punched, you know. And it, yeah. it didn't happen to me, but I just whatever I feel about Alec Baldwin, you know, oh my God, has been trumped by this and no pun intended, but you know, right. this is just so awful. I would never wish this on anyone. I, I, I feel so bad for him. And then, you know, I mean, yeah. it's, there's Billy and I mean, I've, I've been watching um, China Phillips on YouTube and they have this thing called Chili, which is Billy and China and they're funny. And, you know, and it's like, I can't imagine what it's like for the family. Cause when you start, mm-hmm. you know, Billy was on my show, but by watching these videos, you start to feel like, you know, people, you know, they, sh- especially right. her because she just fucking shares you know, she shares all kinds of stuff about her life and what she's thinking and feeling. And he comes on and they have a funny banter. And so you get to you get to know them and you feel like you know them. So even though I don't really know them, I know them a little tiny bit. But I mean, it's like outside of my interview, um, mm-hmm. you just know that they're it's got to be really tough. So, yeah. You know, yeah. Like, I mean, my mom actually got Mr. Baldwin's email from Tina Fey the other day and wow. sent him a. Uh, an email saying I'm so sorry and he just yeah, said, I'm sure you, he's you know, yeah I'm sure he's getting can't tons even, of support what are you yeah. supposed to say to I him too it's know. like I'm sorry you killed somebody I, I mean, know I know <laughs> that's why I didn't say anything like he he tweeted something out and yeah. I started to write something and it was like none of it sounded right it just sounded wrong I thought I'm just gonna leave it alone because I, yeah. I don't know what to no, say I mean I, I can't even fathom what to say it's like I mean I <laughs> It's not the same as giving a condolence. No, it is. Even isn't. though it is, but right. it's not because he's responsible for it, but he's not. It's like this weird yeah. kind of yes, he did it, but he, he didn't mean to do it. It's right. it's it was the an worst accident. of the worst yeah. accidents on the planet. Yeah. It's you know, I can't even I can't even fathom his the therapy he's gonna need and, yeah. and her family and and I mean friends of mine knew her. So wow. there's that too. Wow. Um, just so sad uh, so all the way around. I mean, yeah. it was just awful. And so I really, I do hate to end on such a sad note since we had so much fun at the beginning, but, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, I mean, Hey, keep them in your prayers. I, I do think it's yeah. a good idea to send love, loving energy. I, I really think it makes a difference. I know there are people who poo poo it. So just fine poo poo it. But if you believe in that, send, you know, her family, Alec, everybody, I think it would help. Mm-hmm. So that's yeah. the least, literally least we could do. But um, if I think I told you before the show started that I wanted to keep it about an hour. And of course, we're over by 12 minutes. But that's okay, because we had to get to all the juicy Hollywood stuff. <laughs> and we, we had to talk about a little bit about politics. So we've covered all our bases here. So, of course, I just want to say thank you as usual. Um, having you. you on is always so easy and fun. I always say that Greg Oliar is easy like Sunday morning, but so are you because it's just you're just so easy. And <laughs> it's such a joy to talk to you. Before I let you go, tell everybody where they're going to find you. They can find my podcast at from bunkercom or my Patreon page, which is Patreon slash from the bunker. And my Twitter is from the bunker JR. So go stalk me there. <laughs> Awesome. And then, of course, I'm author Kimberly, K-I-M-B-E-R-L-E-Y. Don't forget that extra E. Find my books on Amazon. I love you, Jody. You're coming back. I love you, too. <laughs> <Okay>, absolutely. <laughs> All right. You take care. All right. You, too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.